What is that when you jump around and carry on and do the who dat who dat stuff? Who dat? You know, that's really kind of a, a fan. You know, that's that's our 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 chant. Podcast back at you, Larry Holder, Jeff Duncan here on the Athletics Podcast Network. Of course, theathletic.com/slash New Orleans is where you can find all of our written word. Theathletic.com/slash Dunk and Holder is where you can listen to our podcasts. Also, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your pods, rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, tell a million about the Duncan Holder podcast. And we're done with the season, so we're officially in off-season mode. I'm sure everyone in New Orleans is thrilled that Tom Brady won another Super Bowl, especially now that he's with the Bucks. I, I know they're all fired up, uh, but we are definitely in question mark mode here in New Orleans, and it's not about necessarily when or if Drew Brees retires because we know he's going to retire. It's everything else that follows after that. And Jeff, uh, this podcast, I know we're going to touch a ton on free agency and Jeff, we already saw the first domino happen a couple of days ago where Drew Brees had his base salary dropped dramatically, which shows retirement. And so now that is first cost cutting move where the Saints have fallen, what, from 100 million over the cap to about 70 million over the cap. Yeah. And look, that makes sense for our listeners out there that don't understand what that was all about. Just think about it this way. Your base salary is the money you get during the season, uh, you get like a one, one, you get 17 game checks, if you will, divided up um, among your base salary. Your base salary is divvied up 17 times, and each guy will get like a weekly uh, game check. Well, Drew Brees isn't going to see that because he's not going to play next season. So it's an accounting move. Uh, he's not going to see the money, so he goes down to what is the bare minimum, one, one little over $1 million dollars. Uh, that is a telltale sign that he's retiring because he wouldn't do it if he was going to play this season. It's it's obviously designed to help the Saints out and uh, makes uh, perfect sense and no surprise for Drew Brees. I mean, he's in lockstep with the organization on this move, and I expect we're going to see a formal announcement, I would say, probably next week, maybe after Mardi Gras. It might be a little distance from Mardi Gras, but uh, I think everyone – is going to be coordinating on that. We're going to know a few days ahead of time. Don't you, don't you think Larry? I mean, this isn't going to be something knowing how Drew Brees operates and the team that's going to happen the next day. Like we're not going to get a text saying it's going to happen tomorrow. I think they're going to, we're going to know a few days ahead of time, just the way he operates. Yeah. It reminds me of a story that uh, Archie Manning told me about when Peyton had his going away press conference from the Colts, Peyton orchestrated, the entire thing, even telling, hey, Jim Irsay, this is what you're going to say. This is how this is going to go. I assume Drew Brees' will be very similar to that. But, uh, you know, just reflecting on that, man, it's it's definitely a bummer that it's probably going to be a Zoom call and none of his teammates are going to be around. And, you know, it, I keep thinking about that, and it's like, man, uh, if that's not a say, uh, telltale sign of, of COVID, I don't know what is. I mean, Drew Brees doesn't even get a send-off on the field, doesn't get this major send-off off the field. Uh, but, like, you know that it's going to be coming uh, pretty soon. So, Jeff, let's just jump into his uh, – and I'll kind of go through uh, the column I have, and we'll go maybe position by position if we run out of time on our pod. Well, uh, we'll, we'll try to speed it up 
uh, because if you don't know, we record through Zoom, and if everyone knows, Zoom has 45-minute meetings. So I'll try not to be as long-winded as possible. But look, you look at the quarterback position, I think all of us can uh, know by now, we've talked about this ad nauseum, and we'll continue to talk about it ad nauseum, that Jameis Winston, free agent target, he seems like uh, that he's going to be their guy. And look, if you look at the top end, it's Dak Prescott. We know he's not going to leave Dallas. And then the others are just guys you kind of – like Cam Newton, Jacoby Brissett, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Andy Dalton, Mitch Trubisky. Uh, like, I think the question actually, Jeff, that most Saints fans want to know is, is it basically a guarantee that Jameis is coming back? I mean, I assume yes, and uh, the way everyone talks is yes. But is it a get, you know stone-cold guarantee? Because what if some team comes and blows an offer out of the water, and then the Saints are like, uh-oh, do we want to pay this much? Yeah, look, I think that's the only thing that prevents this marriage from happening. And what? how realistic is that? I mean, every team in the league had a chance to sign Jameis Winston a year ago, and they didn't do it. He really didn't. As you pointed out in your column, he really didn't perform this year the way, say, Teddy Bridgewater did. Teddy Bridgewater had a body of work that uh, earned him that contract in Carolina. No one really saw anything from Jameis Winston this past season other than the the great touchdown pass in the playoffs. So I think it would be hard to say that someone's going to come and knock his socks off. I think what he'd be looking at is something very similar to what the Saints are probably going to give him, which is an incentive-laden deal with probably an early out clause. Let's face it. I mean, uh, maybe after a year or two, the Saints have a way to walk away from the deal. I think the, the contract could look a lot like the first one that Drew Brees signed. People forget about that, but you know, they went out on a limb, gave him a, I think it was a six, five or six year, $60 million deal back in 2006. But there was an out clause after one season. And that was put in there in case it didn't work out for either side. They could, they could get out of the deal. I think something like that could be in place for Jameis Winston, because right now the Saints are kind of taking a little bit of a leap of faith as well on him long term. But I, I think if I'm Jameis Winston, I don't know if you agree, but I'm looking at this roster, and I'm not probably not going to see a better opportunity on the open market than what he has right here in New Orleans. That's what I keep thinking. So say like Chicago comes running up or some other team, uh, do you think that he's going to want to go somewhere and learn another offense? I mean, he's been a year in a system. Uh, he's got complimentary pieces, uh, Pro Bowl, all pro type players at running back, wide receiver, all on the offensive line. Uh, you can't ask for much better than that in a situation. Now, I'm wondering about the money. I keep referring back to Teddy Bridgewater, and he came back for about $7 million. And the only market he really had at that point after this first year with the Saints was Miami for $10 million. Uh, but Jameis, you know, Teddy was just coming back to be a backup. I think, you know, Jameis is coming back to be the starter. Is he going to want starter money? And I, So I think there's going to be some – volleying back and forth there which he should like I don't blame him like he should try to maximize everything he can but I think he also knows that he's got to earn an opportunity uh, because if the if he tanks year one the Saints are going to be like no we're moving on and might go trade for someone or get a rookie and so I think yeah I think it is I think it's a good way you put it the leap of faith and so uh, uh but yeah I'm assuming Jameis is going to be a quarterback I tell everyone that I know who all ask and you know Anytime you see someone or I see someone, they're always asking, Drew's retiring, right? James is the guy? What's going on? That's like the question that, that's constantly asked. So, uh, so yeah, I assume 
Jameis is going to be the guy. Uh, so let's look at running back. Saints have a few free agents there. Ty Montgomery, Dwayne Washington, Michael Burton. Obviously not their two top guys with Kamara and Latavius Murray. Uh, but all of them each have that different skill sets that the Saints have used. I mean, Burton's their fullback. Uh, and then when you look at running back, the top option is Aaron Jones. You know, he's someone who I think would get somewhere near Kamara money, you know, like Derrick Henry money. He's so good uh, with the Packers, but they also have Jamal Williams up there. So I'm curious to see. And then the next level options I had, Chris Carson, Kenyon Drake, Leonard Fournette, James Conner, Le'Veon Bell, and Jeff. It's not like the Saints have a history of going out and spending huge money on a running back. You know, they spent sort of decent money on Latavius Murray when they signed him, but it was less than what Mark Ingram wanted. And then I said the last time that the Saints actually signed a running back to decent money, and it was C.J. Spiller, and I'm sure people spit coffee all over there phone or computer screen at this point. So uh, where do you look at, say, the running back position and, and how this might thing might shape up? Uh, I can't see them doing anything more than a, you know, a veteran. I think they're going to stick with what they got. I don't know why they wouldn't. This, this Both those players are uh, Saints kind of guys, and, and you have your lead back in Kamara, and Murray seems the perfect complement to him. I don't think they really address that position at all. I'll be shocked. Uh, they've got so many other priorities uh, that's one position that seems locked up. And I think they can keep Latavius Murray at that number. I really don't think it's astronomical. It was at $4 million a year. Yes. Um, you know, relatively speaking, I think they could keep him at that number and live with it and try and do their uh, their salary cap maintenance elsewhere. Yeah, I agree. I think they, they could ju- I think they could just re-sign all the guys that they have as free agents, and it's not going to be a cost a boatload of money. And I think I think they could stay steady uh, with the, with – the group that they have. And even, you know, they always look at a young guy, you know, if they get a undrafted guy they might like, you know, someone like Tony Jones could elevate uh, off the practice squad, jump on. So yeah, I think they're in good shape there. Wide receiver. The saints don't really have any in-house notable wide receivers. They have like Benny Fowler and Austin Carr. What they don't, you know, obviously they don't really figure into the mix, but the top end wide receivers, I could see people salivating over them. I mean, you got Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith-Schuster, and then the next level guys are still pretty good as well. You have Corey Davis, Will Fuller, uh, Nelson Aguilar, Curtis Samuel, T.Y. Hilton, A.J. Green, Antonio Brown, Marvin Jones, Brashad Perriman, Sammy Watkins. So there are a lot of players out there that maybe the Saints would look at, but there's also the sense that do they stick with Emmanuel Sanders? And if he's his his number's $10 million, going into next year. But if you cut him, you only save four. So why would you want to eat six? Uh, you know, to me, I, they probably are going to stand pretty pat unless they, there's a, one of these veterans kind of fall through the wayside and they pick them up in that second, third wave. Uh, but And then they got a lot of young receivers. So, Jeff, what do you think about that position? Well, they're already paying Mike Thomas elite money. So that that you've got your elite guys, just like running back. You, you already have your guy. So you're looking to fill in complimentary players around that that wide receiver one. And the only thing I would say about wide receiver that I could see them doing, let's face it, this offense is going to be different. It, it's going to be built around Jameis Winston's strengths as a quarterback. He's got a big arm. If you are going to do that, then you're going to want somebody that can stretch the field. And I'm not sure they really have that guy on the roster right now unless you think Deontay Harris is that guy. Or Marquez Callaway, can he be that guy? I don't know. 
I don't know the thinking inside the building on that, but it wouldn't shock me to see them go out and find someone that can do that. I mean, here's the other thing too, Larry. He's not the most accurate quarterback. So you want to look, I think, for players that are going to be compatible to his skill set. Maybe you go look at a guy. I'm not saying they're going to go after Kenny Galladay, but I think about a guy like that who can go up and make catches outside of his, you know, outside of his frame. Uh, you know, you, you got a quarterback that's not going to be like Drew Brees. He's not going to be putting it on a dime, but he can get the ball deep. Do you find receivers that have some of those skills that might complement Jameis Winston uh, that maybe ne weren't necessarily a fit for Drew Brees? I do think that kind of thinking is what we have to get our, our minds wrapped around because it is going to be a different offense now with Jameis Winston. Yeah, and when you think about it, like Michael Thomas, I think his route tree is going to be more extended. You're going to see him more down the field, kind of like what you saw with Taysom Hill. Remember seeing kind of those deep crossing patterns and things like that? I think you're going to see a lot more of that from Mike Thomas. But, yeah, someone like Galladay, here's the problem with Galladay. You basically get him if you trade Michael Thomas because he's spot track. Uh, you know, we're partners with them uh, with the athletic uh, and they had they do a great job with an estimated value, and his estimated value is seventeen million a year. So Mike Thomas is already making twenty million a year. So that's right. yeah, that's why I'm I was, talking about I more like it, yeah, somebody I put with, it in, with the skill set, not necessarily because he's. You're right. Anybody in your first top end options off the table. Right, right. I, I, yeah, yeah. I didn't put this in the column, and I thought about it. I was thinking, you know, maybe someone you saying someone who could take it over the top and he's aging a little bit, maybe someone like T.Y. Hilton, maybe if you got him cheap right. and if he didn't go to Indianapolis, uh, you know, he's he could still play. So, uh, But you, you bring up Deontay Harris, I think they're going to – they missed him in the, the divisional round. I mean, I think that's someone who I think they're going to try to try to develop there. So, yeah, but I think wide receiver is a little sneaky interesting uh, given that Sanders is getting older and, and what do you do? And I think your points are really good about how the passing game is going to – be more downfield than it was maybe the last couple of years. All right, let's move to tight end. Uh, notable in-house, Jared Cook. Uh, we all assume he's going to be out as Jeff is literally waving to me through the Zoom call. That is hilarious. <laughs> that means <laughs> that's, goodbye. <laughs> that's bye-bye. The old Saturday Night Live skit. Bye-bye now, bye-bye. Uh, and then uh, you look at the top end options, Hunter Henry, Janu Smith. Uh, and then the next level options I have are Rob Gronkowski. We know he's going to stay in Tampa. And Gerald Everett and Jeff, I think this is something where because you're going to have a void with no Jared Cook, so is Adam Troutman ready to be that guy? And Joshua will be that number two guy. Use him a lot in the run game. Then you need somebody else. And I just remember a few years ago again, sour grapes, and uh, it was already in the comment section of my column. I brought up the last thing you want to do if you if you really don't have that much cap room is go out and spend your money on a Kobe Fleener. And remember, they did that, and they spent a big chunk of their cap, and they didn't have a ton that year on Kobe Fleener, and he turned out to be a bust. I mean, you draft Troutman to be the guy, but I'm curious to see what they do at tight end because you figure they got to add somebody, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you, and I think it'll be kind of one of those veteran types that, uh, you know, is a Saints type of guy. Uh, I don't think they're going to go big money there, although I love Hunter Henry. He'd, he'd be great. He'd be a great addition. And let me just say this real quick about Jerry Cook because – I really, you know, I just feel like sometimes we're all prisoners of the moment. And, look, I know he fumbled in, in the big game, but I keep going back to this. That was a great play by the Bucks. You know, I know he needed to hold on to the ball, 
But if Marshawn Lattimore makes that exact same play against the Bucks, everyone in black and gold is talking about how great a play it was by the defender. He punched it out from behind. He's a ball hawk, you know, all those kind of things. But when somebody does it to Jared Cook, it's all about how bad Jared Cook is. And I think sometimes we have to, like, honor the other team. That was a great play by Antoine Winfield. He's he's a great young player. And, yes, you need to hold on to the ball there. But I feel like Jared Cook is just getting blasted this year. And I think he had some moments where he actually was very good. And he had a little more, few more drops. But he hasn't been just this, this complete debacle like he's being made out to be. I think he's being made to be a scapegoat. And, uh, you know, he's a good guy. Everybody in the locker room, if you notice – at the end of the game, when uh, that ball bounced off him at the end against the um, Bucks, uh, Drew Brees went right to Jared Cook to console him, and that ball got picked off, and you know that sealed the game. I think it speaks a lot to how much Jared Cook's respected in the locker room. So I just kind of want to get that off my chest because I just feel like there's there's this bashing, like he's uh, you know the worst thing that ever happened to the Saints, and I, I think he's getting kind of a short end of the stick there. He's no Kobe Fleener. He was he was a better right. investment and a better player than him. So I I, I agree with you. And uh, but J- that is Jared Cook. Like it's not like he was this all pro, steady hands all the time, tight end. I mean that's kind of the risk you took when you signed him. Uh, he he had some high highs and maybe a couple of lows. His one of his lows came in a really bad moment. But yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, it, it, but it, we've seen it. How many times have we seen over the years? Roman Harper, scapegoat. Uh, you know, you, you, we've seen it again and again and again and again. So it just it just comes with the territory. And if it comes, like, for people like you and me, it's like, all right, let's calm people down. It's, you know, so, so yeah, I think that's that's a really good point. But um, yeah, and let me say this, Larry. Uh, I think you and I have a great view of this. And I'm patting ourselves on the back here. But the point we, we have to make is it feels like when – and this is just natural – a new player comes in, in free agency often, and everyone gets their hopes up. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And you don't want to be the Debbie Downer in the group and say, well, you know, this is here's some of the faults. But let's just look at some of the last names just off the top of my head. I think of Emmanuel Sanders. Immense amount of hope and dreams put on this guy's expectations on his shoulder. He was basically the same guy here that he had been the last few years in San Francisco, Denver, he's good, but he's not the savior, right? The same thing with Quan Alexander. He gets signed, you know, they trade for him. He has a history of injuries. There's a reason he gets let go. He's a talented player. He comes here, gets hurt. Uh, you know, Jared Cook, same thing, inconsistent. Has a has a big, uh, you know, ceiling, but also has a lot of things that hold him back. He's the exact same player he was at other places. And I say that with caution about Jameis Winston, because I feel like there's this groundswell of hope that the Saints and their coaching staff and, and Sean Payton's system and his quarterback whispering is going to change Jameis Winston. And I don't want to be the complete Debbie down here, but I'm just saying ease your expectations on him. I heard the same things about Cam Newton in New England. Cam Newton was going to go in with Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels. It was going to be the best coaching staff in the league, and they were going to play to his strengths. And he was the exact same guy there that he was in Carolina. So I'm just trying to temper everybody's expectations, even not not just for Jameis Winston, but any free agent that comes in. Wow. I see what you're doing. 
You're paving the way for Taysom Hill to sneak back in, sneak back in, and so you can get your 50% cut of his 16 million cap number this year. Now, look, that's a good point. And also, people had lowered expectations for Malcolm Jenkins, and he actually, I think, exceeded some uh, fans' expectations. But then you look at Demario Davis. I think people see Demario Davis, and he's like he's the ultimate free agent right. success story. And obviously, not everyone. Is, is that he's like one of the best free agent signings in the past five years overall in the NFL outside of Tom Brady. I mean, hey, I, I'd say he's number one, but DeMario is probably in the top five uh, in that conversation. So, but yeah, that's the whole thing with free agency. There's a reason why people let players go. Like, so that's every year. I know you and me have to have to kind of temper that. Uh, uh, let me look at offensive line here. Like, I think they're set. Their only options in-house are James Hurst and Will Clapp. Uh, we can kind of roll through this one real quick. I mean, we assume Nick Easton, uh, his, he could be a cap casualty, even though I know they like him as a player, and, but he's gotten concussed, and uh, you'd save nearly $6 million if he's gone. Uh, to me, you know, I'm not even going through the options just because your front five are, are set. I, I just assume have them re-sign James Hurst, roll with some young guys, and, and, and call it a day. Or maybe they, they might draft one. You never know because they always value offensive line. Yeah, and I, I like James Hurst, don't you? I yeah, mean, I thought he played okay. well in, in, in his spots, yeah. He's like a, a classic example of the great work that Terry Fontenot did here. They go out and get this guy. I mean, he had to sit out the first four games. But when he came in the game, literally, I never noticed him. You know, and that's always a good sign for an offensive lineman. He's got versatility. Uh, so I, that's the kind of guy I could see them making hay with again this offseason, that type of free agent kind of an under-the-radar guy. He's got experience. He's a veteran. And, uh, you know, he has versatility and flexibility with his position. So I could see them doing something like that, but nothing above the James Hurst level. They, they've got their starting group intact. I think those are the guys they roll with. Yeah, gone are the days where they have to sign big money for, like, Ben Grubbs and, and guys where they got a patchwork. Right, right. Larry Warford, exactly. Good point. All right, this is the position – where I think, man, we're going to really have to watch. And that's on the edge, defensive end, outside linebacker type of player. We know the notable in-house is Trey Hendrickson. And we know there's going to be interest. The top end names I have, at least I'm considering, is Shaq Barrett, uh, Yannick Ngakwe, Bud Dupree. Man, I don't remember, remember the good old days of the time speaking when I, I was like Mr. Bud Dupree. And you hated it even worse because he's a Kentucky guy. Uh, <laughs> Leonard Floyd, Carl Lars, uh, Lawson, and Hassan Reddick. And then the next level guys, I have Matt Judon, uh, Romeo Aquara, Jadavian Clowney, Melvin Ingram, Justin Houston, Ryan Kerrigan, Danico Autry, Everson Griffin, Tack McKinley. This, to me, I think is going to be fascinating because uh, if you lose Trey Hendrickson, you got to get someone. And do you want to bring back Trey Hendrickson and how much it's going to cost? Uh, I think it is – that is something that they're probably trying to hash out uh, with Ryan Nielsen. Good thing he's there, so you can he's got a keen sense of what's going to happen there. But but yeah, I think that 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 where the Saints go and how they move is going to show you how much they maybe value Hendrickson uh, or how much they value or don't value someone like Marcus Davenport. So I think it, you know it's a it's a multi pronged issue here. Right, I think it's pretty clear the Saints' three defensive ends. Cam Jordan, Marcus Davenport, Trey Hendrickson, only two of them can come back, right? So who's going to be the odd man out? I don't think it's going to be Davenport, who's still on his rookie deal, uh, and I don't think it's going to be Cam Jordan, who obviously is a team leader and a guy, even though he declined a little bit last year, 
uh, he's still got a huge contract. So I think Trey Hendrickson, and I don't see how they can get him back unless they do some Mickey math and, and cap magic and sign him to a deal uh, that is very uh, backloaded. And then they move on from Cam Jordan after next season. So that's, that's the one possibility I could see them doing. But there's only so much money you can put into certain positions on the team. And the Saints, I don't think, have the luxury of paying two defensive ends top dollar. What I could see them doing, though, Larry, is you know if we look at past history, it's usually a good indicator of how the Saints operate. They've always kind of kicked the tires on these these guys like Robert Quinn, and we know last year they were interested in Clowney. Uh, I could see them finding some veteran guy to come in and be that third defensive end if they do not sign Trey Hendrickson. They obviously need another guy there. Finding somebody like that, I mean, we know Carl Granderson's a guy they like, so he's probably going to factor in there as well. But I could see them finding a, a short-term answer as well with some experience out of this group you've got, uh, you know, like a Justin Houston that wouldn't cost that much. But I think Houston had a good enough year to where he's going to probably price himself out of their market. But just in the past, that's something that I know Sean Payton believes in wholeheartedly. And when we see what's going on around the division – with Tampa Bay, I mean, obviously they're they've emerged as a power, and uh, I think Carolina is going to be somebody to reckon with in that offensive system. You're going to have to get after the quarterback, and I'm not sure the Saints right now, with Trey Hendrickson potentially leaving, feel great about their pass rush. Yeah, someone maybe like Ryan Kerrigan. Remember, he was in the same class, yeah. draft class as uh, Cam Jordan. Uh, maybe he maybe he wants to give it another shot, get out of Washington. Uh, but you know these ends though they don't they're not cheap that's the thing uh, so you're wondering it's almost you got, like you got to wait for that second or third wave uh, to see what they do and I mean that's maybe the way the Saints are after, they, they typically do that anyway and let, they'll, they'll maybe make one one signing and then wait for that second or third wave so that should be telling defensive tackle another spot that's going to be telling look the in-house option is Sheldon Rankins uh, top end options are Leonard Williams Dalvin Tomlinson Next level is uh, Larry Ogunjobi, Shelby Harris, DJ Jones. I left off in Dominican Sioux. I just don't think he would come here. I mean, if he's going to go anywhere, go to Tampa, he might retire. I mean, he won a ring finally, so he might just retire. So, you know, I, I don't know if the Saints make any big moves, but it depends on what they do. If like, I think it would be foolish to let Malcolm Brown walk. I think you try to extend him and, and get that, just get that his number lower. Uh, and they, they invested some decent money in David Onyemata. So where does Sheldon Rankins fit? And if, if he's gone, where do they go from there? Well, I think Rankins is odd man out. Unfortunately, all those injuries piled up on him. And uh, he's still a good player, and he's young. So I, I think he's going to have a good market uh, for his services. I'm with you, man. Malcolm Brown, if you let Malcolm Brown walk, uh, then you're really having to f f find that skill set that run stopper inside and i know that uh onyamata has emerged as a, as a frontline player but is he enough uh the other guys that they are very high on on the roster shy tuttle malcolm roach they're kind of three technique guys undersized rankings types uh, i don't know if, if um you know you want do you want to go with onyamata and one of those guys as your starters and let brown go i think they would love to get malcolm brown back at, at their price and we know how Mickey works, right? He He's going to have a value. He's going to have a number in mind. And he's going to try and sell to Malcolm Brown the culture, which is very, very attractive for a lot of veteran players. Uh, Sean Payton's a very much a, 
a player's coach in that regard. So maybe it works. But Malcolm Brown will definitely have a market as well. And this isn't traditionally a position the Saints pay. Uh, they paid David Onyemata. I don't know if they're going to pay two people. Yeah, when we mentioned Malcolm Brown, we're talking about him. He's not a free agent, but if you let him go, it would open $5 million. And so yeah, that's right. where you're looking at. Yeah, that, so that's the thing. And that, look, Malcolm Brown's still young enough. I think you, you could extend him, drop his number. I don't think you want him to leave. Like, you missed him on run defense. When he was hurt, that's when the run defense started suffering. So I think, uh, I think that's someone you probably want to keep around. I agree. I know we're going to have fun with this one. Linebacker time. Jeff says forget the position. Eliminate it from football. Like fullback is more relevant than linebacker. That's Jeff Duncan's MO. Notable in-house options. Alex Anzalone, Craig Robertson. The top end options, at least in my opinion, uh, Levante David and Matt Milano from Buffalo. Next level is KJ Wright, Jayon Brown, Denzel Perryman. Anthony Walker. Okay, I'm going to maybe calm you, calm your nerves of me like going bonkers on this topic. I would love Levante David and I would love Matt Milano. I just don't think they're the Saints are going to be in the market for them. And those other guys, maybe Jan Brown, but other than that, I'm not impressed with the linebacker free agency crop. So you might have me calm down and even so much so where, look, the Saints might bring Alex Angeloni back on a one year deal or something. You know, just just to have him, or maybe they figure it out with Quan Alexander to drop his number from 13, and you know, but he's still hurt, and so, uh, and then they have Zach Bond. So I'm, you might not hear me scream about linebacker, but I might change my mind. Jabril Cox, well, look, like Jabril Cox you, from LSU. Let's go. You've got me. You've got me. I have to say, reconsidering my position on linebackers, especially after watching the way Devin White, Levante David played this year. I mean. Those guys controlled the other team's run game, and uh, they basically eliminated it. They eliminated it against the Saints. They eliminated it against the Chiefs. They couldn't run the ball at all. So there is obviously a value to that, and and I'm not going to discount it. But those guys are great players too, and they're they're not hard. They're not easy to find. And I don't think the Saints are going to be in that market this off season. And they have some in-house options. I mean. Uh, you've already given up on Zach Bond. You've just tossed him to the side. I think the guy might be okay. <laughs> let's give him a chance, man. You draft him in the third round. Let's see what he's got. I, I think the only thing, the question mark you have there, which you and I talked about, is could he potentially play in the middle and you let Demario Davis be the run and hit guy, the sideline to sideline guy? And can you get away with that in today's game where you almost have to have two athletic guys because somehow or another they're going to scheme it up and – and take advantage of bond and coverage. I don't know if the Saints can live with that. And then they have question marks with obviously Anzalone and Alexander. So this is a position that I think we have a lot of question marks. And I'll be honest with you, I have no intel. I don't know how they view that position right now internally, but I think it's one that clearly has to be discussed because of all these question marks. I'm probably going to fall in love with a linebacker in the draft and have him do it. You know, but the problem is with Bond, I just don't know if he can play traditional linebacker. Like, I think he's a good player, but it's almost like, where do you fit him in the system? Like, right. I always, when they drafted him, I was like, well, he seems like a 3-4 outside linebacker. And then they say, oh, well, they, they, we think he could be a good middle linebacker in the NFL. I'm like, all right, well, I need to see it to believe it. So that's almost why I'm, I'm not discounting him as a good player. He could be. I just don't know how it fits. And so I'm – I'll be I'll be curious to see where that is. So no, I'm 
Like, I'm going to be paying attention to linebacker, as you know. I, hey, I, and I, I'm, I'm with you, man. I could easily see them drafting a guy. I mean, th- that's the position late in the first round. You can go get a really good player, plug him in there, and he could start right away from day one, and I think they wouldn't skip a beat. And I could easily see them doing that because linebackers, as we've talked about, have kind of been devalued to some degree in the NFL, and you can get a very good player down at the bottom of the first round. Yeah, I think that's very true. All right, we'll head to the secondary at cornerback, in-house options, P.J. Williams, Justin Hardy. Top-end options, William Jackson, the third, Shaquille Griffin, Patrick Peterson, Richard Sherman, the next level, Michael Davis, Jason Verrett, Troy Hill, Jadobi Awuzi, I always screw up that guy's name, and Bashad Breeland. Like, I think the Saints just need to figure out something with Janoris Jenkins just, just to lower his number. None of those guys in free agency, I don't I wouldn't – someone's going to – these guys are going to cash in just because people are right. desperate. And uh, none of those guys – I don't think the Saints need to get in that market at all at, at corner. Unless unless you're going to give P.J. Williams his sixth one-year deal and bring him back. <laughs> and then Justin Hardy, you want him back just because of special teams. But, yeah, I don't think the Saints need to be in that in that conversation at all. And they also want to figure out Lattimore's contract. But they don't, I don't think they need to be in that at all. Well, I'm with you. I don't I don't think they can either. You just got to figure out uh, Jack, Jack Rabbit's contract situation, what they want to do there. And this is another position I think they could address in the draft. They've done it traditionally. They've drafted a lot of corners over the years with limited success. Obviously, they hit on Lattimore. Uh, you know, P.J. Williams turned out to be, I guess you would consider P.J. Williams a, not a bust. He's, he's played for them uh, and contributed and produced. But this is an area that I could see them going in the draft because of the price tag that cornerbacks bring. I mean, these guys like William Jackson and Shaq Griffin, if they don't get tagged by their teams, they're going to be exorbitant price tags. And and then even young up-and-coming guys like Michael Davis, I know he's a guy that at one time the Saints kind of had their eye on as maybe an undrafted guy uh, coming out, and he ends up blowing up uh, you know, with the Chargers, and I think he's going to command a good salary. Uh, I, don't, I don't see them paying that position if we know they're getting ready to extend uh, Marshawn Lattimore and he's going to get cornerback uh, one money. I, I don't know how they can do it. All right. All right. Let's finish up here with safety uh, in-house options. Marcus Williams, JT Gray, who's a restricted free agent, top end options, Justin Simmons, Anthony Harris, Marcus May, John Johnson, and then next level Keanu Neal, Xavier Woods, uh, Tayshawn Gibson. Obviously all eyes are going to be on Marcus Williams. What do they want to do there? And you and me have talked about this a lot. The Saints rarely resign safeties. And, I, you know, I'm, I know the Saints value him more this year after this past year than it did in, in the year before. Uh, but do you want to pay $9.5 to a Marcus Williams? Or do you want to, what they usually do, draft a safety, a la what they did with Marcus Williams and Von Bell and, and, Mar- and shoot, uh, Malcolm Jenkins and Roman Hart. You know, you can do all that. So, look, I, I, you know, I, I think it's a tricky uh, scenario there. Yeah, I think I think the key is going to be what does Marcus Williams want, right? I mean, does he want to get paid, which I'm sure he does, uh, or does he want to come back to this defensive scheme that really he fits very well and is highly valued? Uh, he knows the culture here. He's definitely going to be the starter. So uh, he, in a lot of ways, is a lot like Trey Hendrickson. What's the market going to be like for him? Uh, is there going to be a team out there that looks at his age, his athleticism, 
you know, and says this guy we want to pay top dollar to because I don't know if the Saints can be in that market. But I know they like him internally. Uh, they, they like him internally more than I do. I can tell you that. I, I think he's got. Uh, I think he's an eminently replaceable player on the roster. Uh, I'm not saying you can get a guy that's as good as uh, maybe in some areas as Marcus Williams, but I just go back to the same thing I bring up over and over with Marcus Williams. How many plays did he make in his four-year career? I mean, I can count on one hand how many big plays he made. Uh, I think you can find somebody that can replicate that, maybe even be better. Uh, look at Antoine Winfield. I brought him up earlier. I think in one year he made more plays than, than Marcus Williams did. So maybe you go out and find that guy in the, the second or third, whatever round they've got left in the draft. We don't even know after this uh, after this mess with the um, – with the COVID precautions, how many draft picks the Saints are even going to be docked. So uh, the draft is going to be interesting this year, and I'm not sure they're going to have enough spots to address some of these needs they have. All right, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Duncan Holder Podcast. Again, theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder, theathletic.com slash New Orleans, and Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. So for Jeff Duncan, I'm Larry Holder. Thanks for joining us here on the Athletics Podcast Network.